I also think about a lot of people in serving in hard places where it's painful and there are so many openings right now for pastors or ministry leaders. Like the temptation to just jump ship is never it's never been more palpable than it is right now. The the temptation is, well, I'm just gonna go somewhere where people will applaud me and we'll have a honeymoon period and hopefully it'll be better when the honeymoon's over there. And so this desire to run from pain can actually be the thing that keeps us from growing. Christ formed in you has to happen through pain. Hey guys, we have got something fun for you today. This is a special edition of The Glass House. I have been so excited about this episode. <laughs> Lots of energy. Moment. Okay. So we have been wanting to do an episode where we take nuggets of wisdom from all of our guests and kind of mash them together in one continuous show. One of my favorite things to do is just sit before people who are wise and just say, what's the best piece of advice anybody ever gave you? And we've done that with every one of our guests. We've been saving these we have enough to kind of put it together in an episode. So this is the best advice show today on The Glass House, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, when we were talking about this with our producer, Angie, we she and I were just talking about how when you want the best advice, you don't go to Google, you go to your friend and you ask them, hey, help me find this person to do my hair or something, you know? And so that's basically what we've done here is that we have just asked all these different guests hey, tell us something that you've, the best advice you've received. And since we've opened this email address, president at lifeway.com, we've been hearing from guests and they often say, I want to pull off on the side of the road and write some of these things down because there's these nuggets of wisdom that get shared in the show. And we have stuff that's extra takes today of best advice. So we're going to get to the guests soon. You're going to hear from uh, Stephen and Mary Beth Chapman. You're going to hear from Holly Knight, just to name a few. But why don't we go first? Lindley, what is a a good, solid piece of advice someone gave you once? So I couldn't narrow it down. I have two, so I'll go with the short one first. And there was a lady who used to help me with our children um, when they were little bitty. Her name was Granny A. And she would tell our children all the time, she would say, when you take a little dig, you lose a little ground. And they'd have to kind of process that. But what she was essentially saying is when you take a dig at somebody or something, You may feel better about yourself, but you're actually losing credibility with other people. And I am not good at this yet. I'm still I'm still learning from Granny A how to not take little digs. But I just think that little nugget was so helpful and helpful for me with the kids when they are maybe, you know, talking about a classmate or each other even. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're good at it. Social media. You don't take shots at people on social media. Oh, gosh, that's so dangerous. That's where people take digs these days is like, I'll just take a little dig here. And what they don't realize is the watching world sees that dig mm-hmm. and kind of says, well, that was kind of a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. When you take a little dig, you lose a little ground. All right. You said you had two. You go next. Okay. Um, when I was in my first church, a deacon uh, who was just a great lay guy, lay person, pulled me aside and said, hey, one of my best bosses ever used to tell me this. People want to work with you and not for you. Don't ever forget that, Ben. It's always stuck with me that when you lead people, like they want to, they want to have the sense that we're all in this together. Not it's my job to tell you what to do, and you turn around and do it. And I think the more you can create a culture where we're on a team, we're in this together. Yeah, I might have some specialized skills I bring to the table, but so do you, and I need your gifts just like you need mine. 
and we're going to do this together. The more I've been able to practice that, I feel like the more successful I've been as a leader. So my second one is I have this great friend named Diane whose children were just a little bit older than ours. And she said the most simple thing to me one time, and she just said, teach your children how to have conversation. And I said, Okay. I mean, I kind of looked at her kind of confused and she explained, she said, when we have guests over, we, we give our children questions ahead of time to ask when they were little bitty. And, um, and so we did that with our kids. We knew that we were going to have tons of guests just being in ministry. And so when we would have guests over, we would tell them ahead of time, Hey, this guest, they really love Disney world. Ask them their favorite ride at Disney world. And when they would answer, we would have to instru- we would instruct the kids. Now, don't follow up with something about you because that is the tendency of children is to kind of one up or say, oh, me too. And so then it was, what's your favorite ride at such and such? I mean, just something else. And so, I mean, that has been so helpful for us because, I mean, we've even been around some of our children's friends who it's really hard to have conversation with them. And, and they're great children, but it's just... You have awkward car rides because they feel uncomfortable talking to adults. So teach your children how to talk to adults. That was I'll, the good advice. I'll share one more and then we're going to hop into the episode. But this is straight from the Bible. But someone <laughs> once shared this piece of advice from Proverbs eighteen sixteen: A gift opens doors for a man and brings him before the great. The explanation on that is in Old Testament times, when you went to a person's house, you would bring a gift as a sign of respect, as a way of showing hospitality. And basically what that text means is, when you show respect to people, doors open for you. And so I think it's just a great piece of advice is if you're respectful, you always try to respect people no matter what their position or where they stand in society, just show everyone respect. That's the best way to gain influence and, and be a leader and influence people. There's a couple of nuggets from us, but let's dive into the show and let this thing rip. On episode 27, we had Stephen Curtis and Marybeth Chapman with us, and we went back to hear their best advice. We were a little bit caught off guard because it's pretty funny. It is funny. You got to go back and listen to that show in the show notes. We got a link there for you because there's a lot of profound things, but this was a moment that wasn't quite so profound, but actually just hilarious. And just a quick hint, in case you're listening to this in your car on speakers with children listening, You may want to take it off speaker for this part because Mary Beth gets into some married people talk. Enjoy. Well, it's it's the one piece of advice that I, any wedding shower I go to and they want somebody to write a piece of advice down, I write, sleep naked. (laughs) (laughs) And and is there anything to that? (laughs) No. Well, (laughs) I'm going to say... Unfortunately, she doesn't always follow that advice. I have told her. I think I that's the like, best you, advice when you ever that's in the, the world. Thing that pops in, all, it was pops a mar- it was a wedding, and some friends of ours uh, who that was their you, advice to their to their young wow. the husband and wife to their their son and his new wife. You know, I think it was never go to bed. You know, well, having an argument and sleep naked. Yeah, it was kind not of not letting the thing. sun go down on your yeah. anger. Yes, is a good one mm-hmm. to. Ascribed yeah. to, but has yeah. never worked for us. No, never, never, <laughs> never worked for it's us. It's better to go down and talk about it the next day. Uh, <laughs> it's, yes. it's better. Yes. So if you're out there and yeah. your life is hard, yeah. sleep naked. Yeah, well, yeah. Go to bed angry. Yeah, go to bed angry. It's very bad. There it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Make a That's the title of your next book. <laughs> All right, Steve. I got nothing. Nowhere. How about an old saying that your someone in your family said that stuck with you? You know, I, I think for me, just staying grateful, staying in a place of 
you know, of gratitude. It's always appropriate. It's not, you know, pretending, going, well, let me find something, you know. But, I mean, to just take a moment and say, okay, with everything that's hard and struggles and challenges, you know, that means Scripture, you know, over and over, over tells us, you know, to give thanks and, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And, yeah, you kind of grew up singing that little happy song in church, yeah. rejoice in the Lord always. There is always, down to every breath that we take, you know, a reason to be grateful. And I think even with what we have done, with the opportunities, you know, that I've had, with the struggles, the challenges that come with it, at any point to start to get, you know, uh, can I, man, the pressure, and can I live up to it, and can I do, and just simply start at a place of just, really good, God, man. this, the fact that you gave me life, that you've given us life together, hard struggles, all of this, God, if I can just stay in a place of gratitude, mm-hmm. um, that's going to make kind of all the difference in the world for everything else. I'm laughing because this signifies the difference in their personality. <laughs> stay naked, stay grateful. Hey, Those if she are- sleeps <laughs> naked, I'm going to always stay grateful. No, I'm just saying it works. It's mind. a double. <laughs> Gosh, goodness gracious. Sorry. Lindley, curious, what's your reaction to Mary Beth's thoughts? <laughs> it sounds really cold. That's my first reaction. <laughs> I mean, I sleep in layers and blankets, and so that sounds just really terrible. <laughs> What's your reaction? I just thought it was funny at the end when he was like, hey, if she stays naked, I'll stay grateful. I just thought that was an interesting connection that he made. I I really appreciate the the conversations with them. They always go into these really hard, difficult, deep places, but then there's always these moments of just joy and humor that make the Chapmans a special couple. And uh, we we left that day feeling so encouraged because they are just – the real deal and authentic, and I love that about them. One thing that you had said that Stephen had said that meant a lot to you is that he made a declaration that they are going to finish the race. It's hard some days. It's tempting to quit, and he just said, we're going to finish the race, and we're going to stay grateful, and we're going to remember God's blessings in the, in the hard times. The scripture tells us over and over to hold on to the hope that we have, and sometimes— in marriage, sometimes in the Christian faith, we don't have all the answers, but we hold on to hope that we were destined to be together. God has called us to finish this race. And as hard as it is, and things happen to our marriage that create tension, we're going to continue this race together. I hear Stephen say that over and over and over, and I think they have modeled it. In episode 26, we talked to Holly Knight about is the ministry ruining my kids' lives? That's a really heavy topic. And there was this one moment in the episode where she gave a little piece of advice that I think we should play again. Check this out. Well, while growing up in Denver, I had the best pastor in the world. His name was Rick Ferguson at Riverside Baptist in Denver, and he is now with the Lord. But that man left such a mark on my life. And one of the things that he said often, and it resonates with me and we still say it in our house often is if we knew what God knew, we would always want what God wants. And so when things don't turn out the way we're expecting them to, or we're having a difficult day, or we don't get this or that, things don't go our way. It's because we don't know what God knows. We're not getting what we want 
because we don't know what God knows. And so we want what God wants because he knows what's best for us. He knows the end from the beginning and everything. So if we knew what God knew, we would always want what God wants. This reminds me of episode 32 when Heath Lambert was telling the story about would he have chosen to go to First Baptist Jacksonville had he known how hard it was going to be? You remember that moment? Right. Well, and we've gotten that question so many times of if you knew then what you know now, would you make the same decision? And I think it's such a, a warped question in a way because whenever someone's given all the facts, I mean, you just can never know all the facts. And so every decision you make with the, bit, the set of facts that you have and the best you can do and and hope that it is the right decision. Yeah, I like pleasure way more than pain. So if I had known that we were going to enter into a really painful season, would I have said yes? That's like saying, like, who would do that? Who would say, yeah, I hope I get this really painful cancer that I have to deal with for the next six years. Well, we've talked to a lot of churches who three, four, five months before COVID started these big building campaigns. Right. Well, because they were going on the facts they had at the time, they had no idea there was going to be a worldwide pandemic. And so, I mean, that question is just so, of course they wouldn't have done that had they known. And of course it caused pain. You know, so it's, there's so many questions you can ask that with your family, with everything. But, but to Holly's point, I do think looking back when you have distance from it, you can see how the worst things that ever happened to you often play out to have a positive influence in your life. We were some of this with our kids recently about, you know, it's often high achieving people. If you look at their story, something really hard happened early in their life that they had to overcome and they became an overcomer. It became part of their, their resolve in life. The audience may not know, but you read biographies yeah, so frequently and you always give me the highlights of them. And every time it's a famous person's biography or autobiography, and you tell me some story of pain and brokenness at the beginning. And that's what drove them. Every single one. C.S. Lewis would talk about how he was so lonely at home because his parents, his mom died, his dad was disconnected. And while he was home in rainy England, he started reading books. Book after book after book. And it was that loneliness that drove that reading habit, which made him the mind that he was. Andre Agassi, his dad was so militant in making him hit 2,500 tennis balls a day. He hated his dad. And yet he never would have been the tennis player he was had he not had this hard-driving dad early in his life. So God has a way, as Holly said, of he sees what he wants for your life and he uses even the things that the enemy means for evil for good. We see that over and over in Scripture. You remember we had Paul Tripp on the show, one of our most popular episodes on the subject of integrity. He recounted a powerful moment in his life when an older man gave him a piece of advice that he's never forgotten. Listen to this. This this was not an advice. It was a challenge, uh, but it changed my life. I was a young and very discouraged pastor. I was beaten up, and all I wanted to do was run. And I announced my resignation, and it was a very, very emotional Sunday because I was the only pastor that many of those people had had. And I was emotionally spent. I was the last one out of the church building. Locked the door, turned around. The oldest man in the in our congregation was standing on the porch, and he said, could I talk to you? 
I said, sure. I didn't want to talk to him, but I thought I should respect him. He said, Paul, we know that you're immature. I thought, well, this is a good start. And, and then he said, but where is the church going to get mature pastors if immature pastors run? We love you. Don't leave. I immediately began to cry. I walked home crying, walked in the house crying. Uh, the world asked me what was wrong, and I said, I can't leave. My word picture was God has nailed my shoes to the porch of that church building. <clears throat> I called my elders that afternoon and said, okay, I'm an idiot. I panicked. Uh, can I unresign? They said, that's not typical. And I did, and I stayed. Uh, without those words of love to me, uh, there'd be no books written. No one would know anything about me. There would have been no ministry life. What, what he was communicating is that everybody enters ministry immature. A seminary degree doesn't give you spiritual maturity. And the church is a place where pastors grow up. And that was so helpful to me because I thought I had to be the expert on everything. I had I thought I had to be super mature. And because I was trying to be that, people were critical of me and I got beaten up. Instead of just saying, God knows me. He knows how mature I am. And he's called me to this place. And those tender-hearted words, then I thought, I can do this. I can surround myself with helpful people and I can grow up as I'm ministering. And the fact of the matter, everybody has to do that. When I was in my doctoral studies for preaching, one day the entire class had to preach the same text in five minutes. So just picture 20 people getting up and preaching one verse and it comes out different every time. The verse was uh, Galatians 4.19, My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I'll never forget how powerful it was for person after person, preacher after preacher, to talk about the pain of spiritual maturity from their own perspective and how, how it really is like labor pain. What Paul is talking about there is there is this desire to run from pain in ministry. And one of the most painful things is when we're, our spiritual immaturity is exposed. Sometimes it's just um, emotional maturity. Uh, I even think coming to Lifeway, I, I have been forced to grow in so many ways in this role that I was not prepared for. And there are days that I have wanted to run because it, it's painful to grow. And I just don't think we talk enough about how, how are organizations ever going to be filled with mature leaders if you don't stick it out through your immaturity? And through your pain. I mean, that's, that's what's scary to me is a generation of people who we don't want pain. This is that we get participation trophies and we um, celebrate everybody. And, you know, we, we can't have a service and celebrate one group of people because we have to consider all the ones who were leaving out. And what that creates is a generation of people who can't honor other people or can't respect the wisdom of 
advice that may be painful. I mean, I guess I just wonder that scripture, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Like, when do we believe that anymore? I also think about a lot of people I know serving in hard places where it's painful and there are so many openings right now for pastors or ministry leaders. Like the temptation to just jump ship is never, it's never been more palpable than it is right now. And so if you're in a painful place where your church is putting pressure on you and if you're really honest, it's because you're not mature. You don't know what to do. The, the the temptation is, well, I'm just going to go somewhere where people will applaud me and we'll have a honeymoon period and hopefully it'll be better when the honeymoon's over there. And so this desire to run from pain can actually be the thing that keeps us from growing. Christ formed in you has to happen through pain. I've never heard anyone talk about it like Paul just talked about it. That really made me think. Mm-hmm. A couple things I would say here. Number one, sometimes it is the right time to leave. And biblically, there are times where Jesus said, let's go to another place. And sometimes God calls us to another place. We should do a full episode on that. We probably will. The other side of that is we have now seen time and time again what happens when a person's success outpaces their character. Uh, Sometimes the greatest gift from God is to leave us in obscurity, leave us in pain, and force us to develop rather than give us a huge platform and the applause of many people that would actually shortcut the character development that he's trying to do in us. So, Paul's words about this, I think, resonate with every person who's who's felt like, I'm in a hard place, and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stick this out. Recently, we had Dan Darling on the show. He was a great guest. Listen to his best advice. Well, it's kind of what something shared, someone shared with me, but I also think I try to share it with a lot of young people now is this season of life is not forever, right? So like your life has seasons and chapters. I think a lot of times young people feel like my next job is like forever and I've got to make agonize over it. And it's like, no, like God, God directs your, your crooked paths, like your decisions you make. Like when you make decisions, I try to make, get as much advice and counsel, but then you got to just make it. Mm -hmm. And God is not handicapped by our decisions. So he can kind of steer our crooked paths. That's really good. And when I look back at my life, you look back and it's like, I never thought I would be where I am right now. The Lord is just like, kind of guides you that way. So um, That's good. I think, yeah, one of my mentors, that um, an older, wiser pastor kind of shared that with me when I was kind of coming of age, and it's really stuck with me. So, And sometimes you stick it out, you, you do your job day by day, mm-hmm. and you're faithful until God opens up a door. That's exactly right. Love the idea that he can correct our crooked paths. All of us have moments in our life where we have to make a decision. And I'm going to go right or left. And then you have that moment of terror. Like, what if I choose right and I was supposed to go left? I've spent the rest of my life regretting that. And yet scripture doesn't seem to tell us that if you make the wrong decision, you're going to spend the rest of your life paying for it. It's God's going to teach you through that. He's going to use it. And it could be that the failure and the difficulty of that decision makes you a better person to be a better decision maker in the future. Like, do you realize that? I mean, do you think about that? Like in terms of, have you spent much of your life worried about making the wrong decision? I don't know if I would word it in the wrong decision, but I think the move from storyline helped me to remember that nothing is forever and to hold it all really loosely. Yes. Because we can, I can grip so tightly on something 
that I think is going to be forever that he can remove so easily. And so, I mean, even now, I say to you oftentimes in the privacy of our home, like, feel free to go bold. Like, make a bold decision because we know that there are other paths, other opportunities, and it's nothing is forever. I mean, I see this just my upbringing growing up in so many houses. To me, like, I, I just laugh when people say this is my forever home because I can't even imagine what that means, a forever home. Like, I just see a yeah. home as a it's a, a dwelling for a while, and then we move and have another new exciting adventure. And so I just no longer see anything as forever. Yeah. I mean, except for our marriage, of course. That's forever. <laughs> Bob Iger, in his book about his time at Disney, he tells the story about the moment he was going to ask Steve Jobs about purchasing Pixar. And he went to his wife, Willow, and she said, the average tenure of a CEO CEO is four years. Go for it. I mean, go for the gold. Go for it. Go big. And I think when we get into leadership positions, we, we spend so much time worried that we're going to make the wrong decision rather than, what if I make this big, bold decision and it works out? Mm-hmm. And it becomes a game changer. We play it safe and we lose. Well, you're going through a situation right now where you may have to go against the grain of a a group of people who are making a decision. But I think sometimes that's where, I mean, the Lord calls you to be the leader and He speaks to you differently than He speaks to other people. And so you may have to say, I don't feel comfortable with this. The Lord is telling me this is not the direction He wants it to go. And and you have to just you have to be strong with that. So you know I like country music. I know you do. There's this great song right now by Chris Stapleton. It's been out for a while. Starting over. One of my favorite lyrics is he says, "Nobody wins afraid of losing." Mm-hmm. When he saying when he saying that, I thought that is so true. Nobody ever wins if they are afraid of losing. The only way to win is to think that you can. And if you do lose. You're going to figure out a way to use that to win the next time. I just thought the way Dan worded that, I see so many young people crippled under anxiety that they're going to make a mistake. When, and when you say that God is not handicapped by our decision, is that what you're referring to? Right, that even, even if we make a, a decision that was the wrong one, He's going to teach us through that and get us right back on the path He has for us. But sometimes the wrong decision, if it's in the right spirit, and the right heart, will teach you more about yourself than if you if you had made all the safe decisions. Because, I have to add this in, we have, I could tell, probably five people, not going to say their names, but they've made this safe decision, and now they really regret it. So there's, you know, there's risk in staying and playing it safe as well. We, know, we don't talk about that, you know, of staying put, staying in a job that feels comfortable, that sort of thing. Yeah, you remember those choose-your-own-adventure books? Do you remember those? Where you get to a certain chapter and you'd be like, skip ahead to chapter 30 or page 36 if you want to do this or page 54 if you want to do this. I would always pick the wrong one. <laughs> but I would always go back to the chap- to that moment when I could skip to a different page and see what would have happened. In life, we don't have that luxury. We have to make a choice. We have to go to a page. And we have to live with the consequences of those decisions. And some of our greatest lessons are when we choose the wrong page. And God just teaches us through that how to get back on the right page. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you consider leaving us a rating 
or a review wherever you listen to the show. It gives us insight into what you like and it helps others find the show as well. The Glass House is hosted by Lifeway, produced and edited by Angie Elkins Media, original music by Robert Elkins, sound engineering by Dale Sandberg, and artwork by Cameron Spooner. <laughs>